first witness the excitement stirred by these youngsters from Austin who calls them jobs. Started? I'm ready anytime you okay. are ready. This week's When They Was Fab, I'm Ed Chan. 
And I'm Lonnie Pena. We flipped the record. We're uh, now on side two of Darren Murphy. If you're wondering why we sound a little bit different, we're in our summer home uh, with uh, Greg Wetmeyer at his studio. Uh, what's the name of it, Lonnie? What, what's the name of the studio, Greg? It's uh, the uh, G Sound 43. G, G Sound 43. G Sound 43. And this is a good choice of mics. This is one of my favorites. And we're like crisp stereo, the reverb. We got the EMI studio feel to it. Well, we'll, 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 we'll just call it G Sound for George Martin, right? There you go. So, so moving on from there, while that was going on, uh, you put together a series of uh, what you called, what, Beatle Jams at the time uh, here in town. And that went on for, what, three or four years uh, at least? Yeah, yeah, a few years. It it, uh, it actually was the the brainchild of the uh, this guy, uh, a musician named Johnny Fix, mm. um, who passed away in the in the nineties. And he called me up and uh, and said, "Hey, I've I've got all this Beatle gear, and I've been offered this slot. Let's do a Beatles jam, and let's get the people, the musicians that we know that are into it." And it's like, okay, I'll play drums. And we'll right, put right. stuff together and and um, do what we can. So we did maybe only three or four of them, I think. It, I, as I remember, it was actually relatively regular for a while. I mean, you know, at least like once a month or once every two months. Uh, maybe it was a variation of different musicians. Could be. I mean, well, and off. It, it, it did evolve. Yeah. 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 Uh, Steve Wilson and Jamie Ashby uh, came on. Uh, Jamie Ashby showed up later. And he was a really great addition to... Uh Thank you. 
his, his old darling still sends chills down. Yeah, he's always been a, a, such a, a great performer and a great singer and a really great bass player. Okay, we know Steve Wilson. He's a friend. We know he's Steve Wilson. Well, we know we know Jamie Ashby too, yeah. and he, he's yeah. around. I mean, the the McClanahan's uh, is is their band. I mean, we should actually probably get him on the show sometime if he yeah, wants to. Definitely. So yeah, that that was a lot of fun. Although by the end of the night, when randoms just sort of started coming up on stage, it was a uh, a little bit iffy. <laughs> yeah. It, like he said, like Darren said, it evolved, right? <laughs> or devolved. Yeah. And then, didn't you do like a Halloween version of that not too long ago? Like eight or ten years ago somewhere? Uh, 20 years oh, ago. Oh, goodness. Are you okay. serious? 20 years ago today? <laughs> well, <laughs> never mind. Well, that, that tells you how old we are, so. Now, what was what, is, what are you talking about, Halloween? In, in, in costume and... Uh, uh, sort of. Everyone had co certain costumes on, not necessarily beetle suits. I was actually the only one that was, that was sort of. You 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 actually dyed your hair, as I remember it, and you had the hat on. I was uh, I, I was like sixty four, John, with the little cap, you know, the, the Mary Quant okay. hat. Okay. Yeah. And uh, but the I, for me the the key to that band was Conrad Chacron, um, who plays for everybody in Austin. He's one of the best drummers in Austin and and he totally captures that uh that Ringo Starr vibe in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he was a, a really great part. He made that a lot of fun. At that time, you were in Austin, based in Austin, or you were still a Houston? I was, I was in Austin at that time, okay. yeah. So what, what the transition, I guess, with, of course, Austin city limits, and it's, it is considered the music city, uh, at least in Texas, in the south. Mm -hmm. So was that one of your primary reasons for moving uh, from Houston to Austin, just more opportunities? Yeah, yeah. I, I really wanted to... There were so many things that I wanted to work on. I wanted to work on my musicianship. I wanted to work on my, my personal energy, my personal vibe. And uh, I spent so much time there. And, and then my girlfriend, who's now my wife, got a job opportunity there. And I'm like, well, let's go. Well, there you go. That's uh, a good reason. <laughs> so I moved up there. Trish ended up there a couple of years later. And it, it's, it's still just one of the greatest decisions I ever yeah, made. Awesome. It's, yeah, it's a great community to live in and uh, lots of, of opportunities there, lots of multimedia right. opportunities. It's, uh, it's still... A, a, and it's still close to home, too. It's, Austin, by the way, is only, what, three-hour drive uh, from... Uh, enough so that you can, you can come down, do a show, and be back in a day. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Although it's, it, it gets it gets harder to drive at night uh, as you as you get older. Yeah. Well, that's why you got to get someone younger in the band to, to drive <laughs> and let, let you lie back and take a nap. There you go. What else we got, Ed? I guess you were talking about uh, in Austin. You did a, a George Harrison tribute, and and uh, a little bit later we'll have you back. Uh, you did a concert for Bangladesh show, and we're, we're go, we'll talk about that uh, in a separate show as we get toward what is it forty seven this year for for Bangladesh? Uh, yeah, seventy one. Seventy one. That's wow. right. Are you are you thinking you're going to do it again for fifty? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. It's such a big undertaking, and um, I'm not sure. It's uh, it's it's really hard to pro- to promote a thing like that, uh-huh. you know, because the the further you a further away you get from it, the more obscure it gets. Uh, so I, I, it's a lot more. I think it's a lot more fun to actually celebrate George Harrison himself in general. I mean, yeah. You can well, fold all the the best elements from Bangladesh into that show, and that rate makes yeah. it really special. I think that's a better that's a better approach to it. I want to thank Bob Ahmed for uh, making me a part of this and for being a great part of my world. This song is for Bob and for all of you. Oh, 
It's been a pleasure. You'll have a great afternoon. Thank you. Oh, you know, I almost forgot. Uh, I have a great Ken Scott story. Oh, we want to hear it. Yeah, Ken Scott, uh, for, for the listeners, uh, was uh, one of the engineers at Abbey Road. He worked with the Beatles on most notably Magical Mystery Tour and the White Album. But, um, Mr. Scott, we would like to promote you to engineering. Is that all right with you? Are you kidding? <laughs> yes, sir. yes, sir. Of course it's all right with, with me, sir. I would love the opportunity. Thank you, sir. So I get moved up, and uh, I got to sit next to an engineer for two whole weeks watching what they did. I couldn't touch anything. All I could do was sit and watch. Then I had my first session. It was on Saturday, the 16th of September, 1967. There. I get my first session, and I get to sit behind the board for the very first time, and this is what I recorded. Absolutely no idea whatsoever what I was doing. <laughs> you want me to do what? <laughs> I guess, looking back on it, I guess because I actually worked with the Beatles from Hard Day's Night through Rubber Soul as a second engineer, as a button pusher. They took pity on me, and it was no matter how much I messed up that day, well, we'll give him a second chance kind of thing. Which led to, three days later, I think it was, doing my first orchestral session. And then he did so many other things after after that. He worked on, on he produced David Bowie's, uh, Hunky Dory and uh, worked on Ziggy Stardust. He oh he did he discovered and managed and produced Missing Persons when he okay LA. I did not know that so he has a good uh, info rich uh, oh. production and business history and he and I actually crossed paths through a, a genius of a musician named Billy Harvey.
he's from Austin, L.A., New York, and now Nashville. Uh, Billy Harvey had one of the greatest artist websites I've ever seen. Uh, he's a hysterically funny and quirky guy. And when he was putting his website together, he called me up and said, hey, um, I, uh, uh, he said, I know you do all the Beatles voices really up, up close. Can you do the Beatles voices <laughs> for my website? And I'm going to have these animated beetles coming around and talking to each other and, and talking about me and stuff. And so I'd get on the mic and like, Billy Harvey is a great guy. But I'm a big fan of Billy's. You know, you got to remember that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going in there. Well, I'd like to go in. I think it's fabulous. You know, little things like that. Oh. Hello, Ringo here. Oh, fabulous. Thank you. Fabulous. Then we'll be right along, as they say. Cheerio. Those little recordings kind of got around a bit. Um, uh, this guy Kevin Ryan, who who published the book, uh, the big old book, Re- recording the Beatles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he heard those and uh, and he called me up and actually said when he was putting that book together, he called me up and said, "Hey, I'm I'm talking to a, several different musicians. I I want to know what questions they have about." Beatles recordings about the recording process, questions that they want answered. So okay, I, I threw some questions at him. My name is Kevin Ryan, and I'm co-author of Recording the Beatles. You know, it's always magical for anyone to come coming to Abbey Road, especially the first time is always very memorable. And I do remember the first time walking into the studio. I remember the smell of the studio. I remember um, just the sound of the room and everything. One of the great things about this place is you can feel you can feel the history in the room when you walk in. There's history in the walls and you, and, you, and you sense that. And there are literal pieces of history here in the sense that I'm sitting here in the control room looking down right now at the pianos that are still here. That were here decades before the uh, the Beatles recorded here and they're still here decades later. And they're, they're amazing. They're the actual um, instruments that were used on those recordings and you can go and lay your hands on them and play the chords and and know you're playing the same instruments and it's um, it's really touching and moving especially if you have a uh, an opportunity to to be in the room by yourself and to sit in there and really hear the, the sound of the instrument bouncing off the wall and know you're in the, the same space that those albums were recorded but during the, the research for our book we we obviously needed lots of um, as many much studio paperwork as we could find anything relating to recording at the studio across all decades and photos from from the same time period and finally getting access to archive was really a dream come true for for both Brian and myself because that's where so many of the details that are very hard to come by were tucked away in yellowing pieces of paper tucked away in the old boxes that no one had looked at for for decades maybe and we sorting through those papers found more detail than we could we ever imagined that we would find when writing the book and it just lifted the research to to an entirely different level and we still still things are being turned up there all the time that are just mind-blowing to us uh, answers to questions that we never thought would be answered so archive uh, has been invaluable to, to our research and to, I know, a lot of other researchers as well. And then later he, he called me up and said, hey, um, I, I'm in touch with Ken Scott. Ken is doing 
a multimedia presentation about his career as, as a uh, his career in the studio. And uh, can I? He needs some voice help. Can I put you in touch? It's like yes. Mm-hmm. Have him give me a call. And so Ken Scott called me up and and I um, said I I'm doing this sequence in which I'm working on the White Album and I have this story about how we're recording Glass Onion and I'm working with Paul on an instrumental overdub and in that process uh, of him recording he's playing the little recorder on the I told you about the fool on the hill yeah. I tell mm-hmm. you man he's mm-hmm. living this still Glass Onion yeah. While they were recording that overdub piece, Ken accidentally erased part of Ringo's drum track. It was a drum, a snare drum oh. overdub. And uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, and you can actually hear it. You hear it if you're listening to that track, to Glass Onion, right as just before they're going into that third verse. Looking through a glass onion, all of a sudden there's this wimpy snare. Did it? Did it? It's because the overdub was gone. <laughs> we need to listen so they to had that. To, they yeah. had to mix it that way. Play the track for me, would you? Yeah, there you go. So uh, he said, I, what I want you to do is I want you to, um, I, I, I want to recreate that session. <laughs> and I want to pretend that I'm in the studio with Paul. On, he's on the other side of the glass and we're talking and... I said, can you, can you do some Paul's voices for me? I said, <laughs> sure. I'll, I tell you what, I'll do. You, you just tell me what you, what you would like, the kind of things you'd like him to say. And I'll just get on the mic and I'll start riffing. And I'll send you what I've got. If you like it, you can use it. He's like, okay. So you know, I, wow. I go and I get a little recorder. <laughs> I get a little recorder and I start playing it terribly. <laughs> Oh, so I can't do it. I can't get it right. I love it. <laughs> hey, hey, what happened to the snare? There used to be a snare there. Oh, Ringo's going to be crushed. <laughs> <laughs> Little things like that. And so I sent them all to him, and and he said, "This is perfect. This is this is great. I'll use it." So um, he he was uh, he actually uh, used this stuff and was doing these uh, little presentations all yeah. over Europe, and. Uh, and he told me later that Apple came around. The Apple core came knocking and he said, hey, you're not allowed to use any of the actual Beatles' voices. You're going to have to get our permission. You're going to have to pay us. And he said, you know what? It's not Paul. <laughs> wow. That's a tribute to your... Uh, uh, Mimicry talents. Yeah. yeah. I consider that quite a feather in the cap. That is a cra- and so that's what Ken told him, right? It's, yeah. it's, hey, I owe you nothing. That's right. <laughs> and I'll use everything. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, this November, uh, we're talking about going to... Uh, to there's a White Album... 50th anniversary festival in uh, Monmouth, New Jersey. Right, the right, symposium, right. and Ken Scott has been invited. So if we if, <laughs> if we get up there, we will make sure to mention you uh, to him. Ha! Ah, yeah. Gosh, I, I was hoping I could hit him up for an Abbey Road tour at some point. As a bucket list item, but I don't know. Yes, yeah, as long as you bring us along. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, Randy Miller's been there. Lucky guy. Well, I mean, they, they do open up the Studio 2 on occasion, but you have to be there at the right time and you have to, what, book? You have to get get there. It's harder to get than yeah. concert tickets. You have to be at the right time, right place, uh, yeah. and so forth. And Don't get hit while you're crossing the road, folks. All right, fair enough. Uh, 
I guess that's about all the time we got for this show. You got you got anything uh, to tell us before we uh, leave for now, Darren? Gosh, <laughs> on the spot. Pro- yeah. Promote yourself, Darren. <laughs> Promote yourself. Promote yourself. This summer. I went through the BBC and then all of the the EMI releases and, uh, and everything that yeah the original versions of, of the covers that they did you so she said and I just I just grabbed as many of those as I could and so many of them I'd never heard before I hadn't heard Anne Margaret I just don't understand Spoon does a rock and cover uh, a couple of albums ago one man one decision one voiceover. Well, it came to my attention that Sir George Martin uh, was making claims about his involvement in this record. And so um, he was hanging around. He was pestering us again. And I decided to interview him. And it's pretty interesting. Uh, well, when they first came into the studio, the best thing I could get out of them was Birds of Prey. Um, but. Uh, as time went on, it blossomed in a style that was breathtaking. Robert Harrison, for example, was doing everything with the sound that could possibly be done with it. You could speed it up, you could slow it down, you could turn it round back to front, compress it, equalize it, add echo. For feet on grass, Robert uh, told me that he wanted his voice to sound like something that had never been heard before. He wanted to sound as if he were underground actually under um, a, a field of grass with uh, people trotting upon him. And uh, so uh, we took a, a microphone and we ran it. Uh, uh, the first thing we did was we, um, uh, we actually buried it. We buried the microphone uh, in the backyard. And, uh, and then we had him uh, uh, singing, sort of looking down in, uh, into the dirt. And, uh, and that's how it ended up on tape. Perhaps you could give us a word about Epcot View. Well, Epcot View features some wonderfully inventive drumming by Darren Murphy and uh, quite a lovely guitar intro by Robert Harrison. And uh, the vocals on it, I, th- I think, are quite nice. Uh, it wasn't the original idea that I presented. I wanted to have more of a... Uh, I thought it should be more of a, a William Shatner approach. Um, oh, girl, you're hard as a grave! Burying days in a place on Earth very far from an Epcot view of the stars. Uh, but in the end, that idea was vetoed. And uh, But it turned out to be a rather nice vocal in the end. Uh, some people say it's the greatest performance. Certainly not my opinion, but uh, horses for courses. Well, it was very important that the, uh, that the group kept a very strict diet while they were recording. Uh, there were an awful lot of greens, there was a lot of kale, a lot of tempeh, and uh, a, a bit of brown rice as well, organic brown rice. Oh, well, there was never any drug use in the studio, at least not while I was present. Probably because they knew I didn't condone it. And when were you present? Well, Robert Harrison came to me one morning and said that he wanted uh, some help with his new album. Their debut release had had uh, much critical success, and uh, the follow-up album was obviously very important, and so they wanted my help. So I said to them, why you come to me? Why do I deserve this generosity? It's true that I have a lot of friends in Austin. But they would not be friendly very long if they knew that my business was this uh, experimental alternative 
music instead of blues, which they feel is a, it's a harmless vice, but this uh, alternative's a dirty business. Far, obviously, far too complicated to describe here in detail. I, I, I was never really there at all, no. Critics are calling it sensational. Earth as we know it will never be the same. This will make for one epic trailer. There'll be several other shows that we'll be doing, and I'll make you, be making a few appearances as the weeks go by. So it's it's the summer of Darren Murphy here at uh, Wednesday with Fab. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll talk to you next week. Then uh, we'll be back with a new show, right, Lonnie? That's right. Be safe. Looking forward to it. Subscribe to Wednesday with Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. Special thanks to Greg Whitmire and G-Sound 43 Studios who provided the facilities for recording this episode. You call me your baby when you're holding my hand. It's been done.